Our scripture reading this morning uh, is continuing in Romans chapter 12. We got to, to verse 16 last week, and today we read simply two verses, verses 17 and 18, page 1139, verses 17 and 18. Now, it's, it, it's so short, and there are plenty of pew Bibles around. Why don't we read it together? What do you think? Shall we give that a go? Shall we read it together? Yeah, there are probably enough Bibles around, I think, for for us to, to be able to do that. Okay, verses 17 and 18, and I'm assuming that what I have here in the pulpit is the same as what you've got there in the pews. Okay. Okay, this is God speaking to us. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Amen. So we come to look at, at Romans chapter 12. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we recognize the danger of what we're about to do. Well, many dangers, Lord, to be honest. The danger that some things seem so simple that we write them off. The danger that some things seem so difficult that we shy away from them. But gracious God, you've called us to read your word to listen attentively for your voice, to call upon your Holy Spirit to do your work within us, to make us more like Jesus. So by your grace, come to us. Give us an insight into your love so that your fellowship might be made richer among us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As, uh, as many of you know, uh, I like to use quite a lot of images when, when I speak. Today is a bit different because I really only have two, and they're very simple images. And uh, yet I think in those images, hopefully, ah, in those images we have the heart of uh, Romans 12, 17 to 18. I hope by now you've caught an impression of what these verses are founded on. They're founded on not simply good advice um, or a decent way to live. These verses are founded upon God Himself who is the God of grace. Grace is doing good to those who don't deserve it. Okay? So that's the theological foundation of these verses. And in their simplicity... Let's not lose that profound theological foundation because it's all rooted in who God is Himself. So, two simple images. And uh, they're two circles. And I'm going to put them up one at a time, and you're going to tell me what sort of circles they are. Okay? Nice and straightforward. What sort of circle is that? 
Anybody? That's the one. It's a vicious circle. <laughs> yeah, a vicious circle. Yep, yep, nice one. And then the other one you might, you might guess as soon as I put it up. What's that? That's a virtuous circle. So you have a vicious circle and a virtuous circle. And really, this, these two simple verses are founded upon the idea that we have a choice in many interactions that we have with other people. We have the choice between a vicious circle or a virtuous circle. With the boys and girls, I hope it was clear that I was attempting to say this is where a vicious circle takes you. It takes you down. It destroys on the other hand, start a virtuous circle and you're lifted up again and you come to good places. I'm going to be throwing out some principles in the next 20 minutes or so. And I realize, and I will be saying some of this, that putting them into practice isn't quite so straightforward. And so in Life Builders, after the service today, sorry, I should have said for anyone who's not familiar with our pattern, at the end of worship, we have uh, a number of things. We have tea and coffee, both at, uh, at that end of the church and at this end in the uh, uh, hall out through these doors. Um, and there's also an opportunity for prayer. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like to pray along with someone for something else, then in the little room behind, behind you, out this door and turn left just opposite the lift, there's the opportunity for you to pray together with someone. And then, about half past twelve, life builders in here, and we'll take some of these things on a little bit farther and see if we can draw out a few consequences from what I'm looking at. So, let's just take a look at them. Verse 17, the first part of the verse, really couldn't be any clearer, could it, I think? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And yeah, I'm tempted to say, let's just put on our coats and go home now. It just really is as simple as that, isn't it? Um, but I get paid by the minute, so uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, honestly, honestly. <laughs> but sometimes it's really not as simple as that. Because it's very easy to think like that, isn't it? It's very easy to think, well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not repaying. I, I, I'm just, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Evil done needs to be repaid. Paul here is, is saying, no, it's not as straightforward as that at all. In fact, of course, Paul is saying that. And he was standing on pretty firm ground, wasn't he? Because Jesus had said something similar a number of times when he said, don't do that. Well, why not? If the Old Testament says, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, be fair, why does Jesus then come along and say, no, don't do that? Well, what we're talking about here is not an issue of justice. In the Old Testament, when you know, that principle was, was given, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it was very straightforward. It was a legal principle with respect to justice in the courts and social justice. And it was there really for preventative purposes. Oops. 
sorry. It was there for preventative purposes. Because, as, as we all know, a little thing that happens, a little insult, a little injury, is paid back by just a little bit bigger insult, a little bit bigger injury. And so it mounts and mounts and mounts. And things go on and on and on. The principle of equality is a fair one for courts of justice. But in human relationships, it's more than that. It's not just about paying back what is fair. And something else that it's not. We need to be very careful of this sometimes because uh, it's easy to fall into this trap. Um, think again of, of Scripture. Paul commends the people to greet each other, don't they? And how are they to do it? Do you remember? He says to them, greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah, it was a, a particular form of, of greeting, quite similar to what uh, many folk would do today. Uh, but you remember one particular kiss? Yeah. That was evil dressed up as good. Superficially, it was Lord. I greet you with a kiss. Whereas underneath it was a deep act of betrayal. The sneaky part of all of us can sometimes do something that looks good, but underneath it really isn't. So something happens. Somebody does something nasty to you. You say, oh, let's forget it but you don't really forget it. It just becomes hidden. No, we'll not talk about it again, which really means we'll not talk at all. Sometimes called the silent treatment. That ring any bells for, for anybody? Yeah, we, we all have our, our, our ways of doing it. So, yeah, looks okay, but no. Or, or, or the backhanded compliment. The thing that's supposed to sound like a compliment, but really isn't. Okay, you, you look 10 years younger. You could be about 40. Of course, when you do the mathematics, it comes out entirely differently. Making the other person suffer. Have you ever even done this? Have you ever even tried to be so nice to someone that they're really going to suffer? You see, we can dress an evil heart up in doing good actions. And that's not what he's talking about here either. He's talking about controlling our emotions. Insults, hurts are, are deeply emotional things. Of course they are. And as, as we... As we hurt, so our emotions can very easily get the better of us. So tucked away in Paul's counsel to us here, do not repay evil for evil. He's saying, pause. Get your emotions in check. Don't respond too quickly. Oh, and just in, just in case you're thinking here, he's not saying... Revenge is a dish that tastes best cold. No, he's saying control your emotions. Don't get, get carried away in your emotions. 
And, and I suppose the, the other side of that is ventilate your emotions. Because not repaying evil for evil, keeping quiet, keeping calm, can allow things to build up and build up and build up inside you. And as they build up and build up and build up inside you, eventually they burst out. And sometimes they can burst out in dreadful ways, but sometimes they can burst out, and it's not so much a bursting out, it's it's a leaking. I think children are brilliant at spotting us leaking. They they can see things. I I remember I I, I taught a Sunday school class many, many years ago. And uh, in that Sunday school class, one Sunday, I, I thought I was being really controlled. And the boys in the class said, oh, you're angry. And I said, how do you know that? And they said, because you clench your teeth when you're angry and we can see your jaw moving. (laughs) I never knew that. I never knew that at all. But these 10-year-old youngsters spotted that in their Sunday school teacher. How much more insight do children have to our emotions when they live with us? when they're our children, our grandchildren. So do not repay evil for evil. (coughs) Means what it says, but it also means don't store up evil in your heart so that it bursts out or so that it leaks. What then about the positive side? Well, again, nice and straightforward. Nothing complicated about this at all. It's the first part of verse 17 is saying, don't start that downward cycle of the vicious circle. 17b and 18 are saying, start that virtuous circle. Start things moving up. Start things moving in a good direction rather than than in a negative direction. And One of my big problems this week in preparing this sermon was trying to make it more complicated than it actually is. It, it, It really is simple. Do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And do what is plainly good. Do what is obviously good. See, one of the things that we sometimes forget as Christians is that many other people see much of life really the same way as we do. We tend to set ourselves apart as being really different, more virtuous, more righteous, and so on. But plenty of people understand what it is to uh, destroy someone's reputation by, by gossip. Of course, that, that, that's a common place. People know what it is to, to backbite. People understand vindictiveness. And so, yeah, very ordinary. What is commonly accepted as good practice? Well, that's generally what, what we go for. Now, again, I realize, and we'll, we'll think about this a bit more in, in Life Builders. I realize it's not quite as simple as that because, and I see if you can get a list for half twelve in your mind, of things that the world says, those, that's really good, but Christians recognize, no, that's bad, or vice versa. Can you get a list in your, in your mind in the next uh, 40 minutes or so? And we'll, and we'll tease that out. But very often, that which is good is plainly seen to be good, and that's all that Paul's saying here. Especially within the church, where we ought to have that really um, uh, common code of beliefs and common code of actions. We ought to agree pretty much 
on what's good. And then, of course, a couple of wee warnings to go along with that. Do what is plainly good, not just what you think is good or what I think is good. Because, remember, we're in this place of hurt. She's done that to me. And I feel just destroyed inside. So what's my good response? That's always going to be a bit twisted by that hurt, isn't it? It's always going to be a bit warped. So what looks good to me from an external point of view really isn't. And that's where we need friends. And that's where we need people we can come alongside. And if we've been hurt, especially if we've been deeply hurt, the ultimate question is, what does God think is good? We're responding to that hurt, and, and we want to obey what Paul is saying here, but we're so mixed up in our thinking. Have you got a couple of good friends you can talk to? Now, not just a couple of friends who tell you just what you want to hear, but a couple of good friends who say, come on, catch yourself on. Are you feeding your mind regularly with good Christian thinking? With podcasts, with books, with YouTube clips that are feeding your mind spiritually that will allow you to develop good ways of thinking? so that a good response becomes more natural? Are you listening to what God is saying in Scripture? Are you listening regularly to what God is saying in Scripture? Are you talking regularly with God and listening as He talks to you? And that sort of talking with God that isn't just a list that you work through of all the people you want to pray for, It's an honest talking with God that says, Lord, I really hate him. He did this, and I could cheerfully kill him. That sort of honesty. I've commended it to you before. Let me do it again. There's a peculiar type of honesty that comes when you write stuff down. And especially if you're in this, in this awful place where she's done that wrong thing to you, you're deeply upset, you don't know what to do, write it down. Write it down as part of your conversation with God. So that God is allowed to speak into it. And He can identify for you the ways of thinking that are drifting off and bring you back to what is plainly in His sight good. And then just to, to, to finish off briefly, aim for peace, as Paul says in verse 19. You'll see he qualifies it, of course, in, in the first two parts of the verse. If it's possible, as far as it depends you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this doesn't happen very often, but it happened this week when I was preparing the sermon. It just, I don't know how it happened, it just happened. Aim for peace. A for active That's actively work for peace. Actively do things that will build your relationship again. Actively go out of your way in order to redress what has been done. Actively build that virtuous circle. Actively move. I for inclusive. 
Because quite often these hurts uh, that, that, that come to us from other people, they tend to draw folk in, don't they? We gather people on our side. We want people to see things the same way as we do and build up a little army. And of course, they're building up their army. We're building up our army and, and it all goes from bad to worse. Why not build up a positive army? Folk that will help us restore our relationship. And then, more than expected, the idea of peace in the Old Testament and as it comes into, uh, into the New Testament, is the idea that we have in, in Psalm 23. It's the idea of the cup overflowing. Peace is never just the absence of war. Peace is positive good that builds and grows. You remember in the Old Testament, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of great things, and God's blessing is never a niggardly thing. It, it always overflows. So when we're building these virtuous circles of peace, we should expect more than just that little circle. We should expect it to overflow. Again, isn't that great? It's not just about me and her building our relationship again. It's about our family or our families or our friends all being caught up in this great thing. And then just a couple of, of warnings that, that Paul gives us. It's not peace at any price. Well, is there any part of the world where this is more obvious than our own wee part of the world. Really? We'll look back and we'll say, oh, we've had 20-odd years of no violence. But is it real peace? Is it? Now, I don't think any of us would be fooled into saying that this is real peace. This is real harmony. Sometimes the price for peace is seen as too big to pay. And both communities in our province are saying that, whether they know it or whether they like it or not. It's too big a price to pay. We're not prepared to pay it. But in every form of peacemaking, there is a price to pay. And that's just the truth. And that's why Paul has these qualifications. Insofar as it's possible. Insofar as you can. Because the awful truth is that I may want to pay the price to restore that broken relationship, but there may be a limitation. He's not prepared to pay the price. And that is a sadness. And, and I can't go beyond that because I can't control what's in his life or her life, but I can control what's in mine, and I can be building my part of the virtuous circle and praying and working and doing all that's within my power to restore the relationship. But sadly, that's, that's all we can do. What if I get it wrong? What if I do something that's well-meaning, and, and I want peace, and I want good things to happen, but I get it wrong? Well, folks, that's, that's okay. That's, that's all right. Did you get it right the first time you learned to ride a bike and made those circles go round and round that were carrying you along the road? Maybe one or two of us did. I didn't. Let's go back to where we started. If this was me simply saying to you, as men and women and young people, build a virtuous circle, do it, well, then you would quite rightly look at that and say, no, no, it's too risky. I might get something wrong. 
But I'm not saying that because St. Paul isn't saying that and Scripture isn't saying that. And that's why we started with the God of grace. The God of grace is at work in all of this. This is how God works. This is exactly how He works. It all looked to be going so terribly, terribly, terribly wrong when Jesus hung on a cross. But there was resurrection after it. Look at the history of the church. How many, many times have we got it dreadfully, dreadfully wrong? But our God is a God of resurrection, who brings life out of death, who brings new out of old, who takes things that have fallen apart and builds them up again. And my part in responding to evil that is done to me is to live as Christ lived, as His Holy Spirit prompts us within to live, as people who build peace, as people who refuse to repay evil for evil, as people who positively, continuously, courageously and wisely do good, real good, wholesome good, good good, Shall we pray together? Gracious God, we pray that as we seek to put these things into practice, by your Spirit you will give us the wisdom that we need to understand, the courage that we need to act, the humility to confess our wrongdoing, and the grace to accept others as they build the circle with us. And so may our relationships be whole or restored, and may they reflect your glory for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to God with our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. As we come with our prayers of intercession, we recognize folk who may be in very difficult places because of things that are caught up in the verses we've been looking at today. Gracious God, we pray for people who have had evil done to them. We recognize that that covers such a wide range. And so we think for a moment of those who have had evil done to them by a young man with a gun in the United States. We reflect on those who have had evil done to them by governments that we could name in various parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East. We think of those who have had evil done to them by a spouse, by parents, by those from whom they ought to have expected nothing but good. Gracious God, our heart breaks at so many different levels from the international to the personal. And we pray, Holy Father, 
that in responses to evil acts, your people might act wisely, graciously, generously. But we pray at national and international level that there might be justice, true justice, wholesome justice, justice that goes not, does not go beyond itself, but justice that is redemptive. At individual levels, for those whose hearts have been broken, and sometimes those whose bodies have been broken in ways that no one else knows about. Gracious God, will you come gently? Will you come and breathe peace to them? Will you come and breathe new life and new hope and a new way forward? And as you breathe by your Spirit into their lives, may that overflow in astounding ways so that those who have done evil might receive good and a chain, a circle of evil might be broken. And we pray that for our own province, gracious Lord. The spiral just looks like it's inevitably heading downwards. And we're aware of it, and many people seem to be aware of it. But Lord, we just don't seem to be able to, able to break it. So gracious God, we call upon you again to intervene. And we recognize our responsibility in that intervention. As you prompt us, as you whisper to us, as you shout in our ears, do something. Lord, enable us as your people in this province. Enable us. Father, for relationships that are broken, we pray. For hope that has been shattered, we pray. For those who attempt to intercede, we pray. And we do all of this knowing that Jesus died, all hope was gone, and yet Jesus rose again, and hope burst out victorious over the grave. And you, Lord Jesus, have ascended to heaven, and you rule, and your rule will never come to an end. And one day, we will rejoice with you in glory, as good overcomes evil forever. Because God alone is good. And to your name be all honor and glory. May you be praised by the angels and archangels. And may we add our voices and our lives to that praise. For we pray in Jesus' name.